You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, presenting interviews with famous, fascinating, influential personalities from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. I've had a great life because I've done what I've wanted to do, and I love doing it. And the longer I'm in it, the the more I've loved it because uh, I've learned more about how to do my thing better. College basketball's Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. The men's NCAA college basketball season opens tomorrow, and it will be the final season for one of the game's winningest and most successful coaches. Mike Krzyzewski, also known as Coach K, has been the head basketball coach at Duke University since 1980. He announced last June that he'll be retiring after this season. Under Coach K's leadership, the Blue Devils have reached the Final Four 12 times, and they've won the national championship five times. That's second only to John Wooden's 10 titles. I met Coach K in 2000 when he wrote a book about leadership called Leading from the Heart. So here now, from 2000, Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski. The book helped me. Last year, we lost, at this time, uh, we lost four kids to the NBA. A kid transferred. We had won 37 games, lost in the national championship game. And it looked like things were going to go south, you know, like it wasn't going to do real well. And I started doing this book with Don Phillips, and it was like therapy for me. It was like a renewal of the things that I had done over 25 years. And I, I really believe that this book, the writing of this book, put me in the right frame of mind for me to have my happiest year in coaching. I mean, we finished the regular season number one. We won two championships. We were eliminated in the NCAA, but uh, I love my team. And so I believe in the book. I think it's, it's a book on, on being a, a good human being and uh, treating people as human beings, if you're the leader or if you're someone who's being led. And it's about getting better and using teams that around you to get better, whether it be your family team as you're growing up, uh, the high school team in a classroom or on a court, the college team, or eventually when you have your own team. But uh, something where it's shared and it's built on values of trust, collective responsibility, accountability, things like that, caring and love, and the simple things that I don't think people spend enough time developing. Well, the caring and the love part, you don't hear too many coaches talking about things like that. Well, it's uh, to me. It's. I mean, a big... they care about the the record at oh, the end yeah. of the season. Well, I, I think it's about uh, it's about relationships. Uh, uh, I want everyone who's involved in my program to feel like they have ownership with my program, not that it's it's Coach K's program. No, it's our program. In other words, we deal with plural pronouns and not I, me, my, and uh, and I think it has to start from the top. Uh, uh, I've, I've had an opportunity to speak a lot to businesses, and sometimes in businesses, when you talk to them, they talk about titles or different people have different positions, and it's almost it's so impersonal. Uh, you know, whereas no, that's Bill. He's the director of marketing, not the director of marketing, and uh, that's why we try to run our basketball program. Where it, you know, if you treat them as people, they treat you the same way. They take ownership of the program. All of a sudden, it's our program, and we have something to share our joys and our, our downs with. 
one of the you've got so many poignant stories that you mm -hmm. tell in this book, and one of them is the idea of the individual video being made for each senior when they leave the school, so if they have something. And then it's not just not just kind of a general thing about uh, Duke or the basketball. It's about them. It's about them with a song just for them. Well, and it's a secret. They don't know which song. It's uh, it's uh, it's played at our our banquet, which is uh, viewed by about a thousand people, and they're. We, we do something unique. We don't have guest speakers for our banquet. Our seniors speak. Uh, the video, though, is done primarily by my wife. Uh, and so it's a, it's a gift. Uh, it's a gift of ours, of our program and our, of the Krzyzewski family to that uh, youngster and his family that they'll have forever and ever. And uh, uh, our guys love it. Uh, they abs absolutely love it, and, and they're anxious to see what what video and what song, uh, what song was used. Something else. One of the one of the comments that Grant Hill made in this book. Uh, he made some dandy comments throughout mm -hmm. this book. But one of them uh, th that struck me as, as kind of odd when I first thought about it was he said, "Each of the four years there, you coached a different team." Mm -hmm. Well, I, I truly believe that uh, each team takes on its own identity, and if you start taking a team from one year and having that identity go on to the next year you're you're already trying to put that team in a box you're trying to instead of letting them grow and see what their identity might be you're already telling them no this is who you have to be and i don't i don't like that i, I i've always coached by feel and allow my guys to uh to show me what they can do and not assume that i already know what they can do before they've shown me Parents sometimes do that, too, accidentally, don't they? They say to the kid, why can't you be like your older brother? Right. Well, it really, the first part of the book is, is, is terrific as far as talking to kids and parents. Uh, in fact, I had a letter from a kid who, who said, he's 15 years old, and he said, I, I love the book. Uh, I love you, Coach K. I love Duke basketball. And by the way, I'm paying attention to my mom. And uh, because you said in your book that your mom had the biggest influence on you in your life, and that you listen to her. That, and, uh, and so if nothing else comes from the book as far as business, teamwork, and whatever, if we can get to youngsters and have them uh, all of a sudden know that they have a team, I think with the busy lives that we have, uh, uh, email, faxes, phone, and all, you know, cellulars, uh, a lot of times people don't spend the time together looking each other eye to eye. And that's another thing that comes through in this book. You spend a lot of time, a lot of time that you... You wouldn't have to. It's not in your job description. You have to spend all this time, but you really take the time with your players. Well, I do, but uh, you know, it's like anything. You don't spend time on something you don't like. You spend time on things that you like. Like I love working with my players, and I I get something back. I get their uh, their loyalty, their trust. Uh, it makes me feel better about myself, knowing that I can have an impact on those youngsters. And so I, I've always viewed leadership. Uh, teaching is a two-way street. It's not just a teacher or leader imparting knowledge to that youngster. It's that youngster giving back something to you. And uh, that, that's how I've always run my basketball program. And you're teaching more, far more than just basketball skills when you're coaching, aren't you? Absolutely. I, you know, I, I think when you teach trust and collective responsibility and you know, teamwork, uh, uh, reliability, you know, we can rely on one another, honesty, uh, it makes whatever you teach offensively and defensively better. I think if you're only teaching offense and defense, those things that you didn't teach, the honesty, the trust, and whatever, will will already it'll help deteriorate what you what you're trying to accomplish here. And 
it gets back to that not having positions and not treating people just as numbers, but treating people as, as people. That's well, what the book is really all about. It's, it's to have you feel good about who you are, how to improve, and how to, how to, how to be a good person. Well, it occurred to me, I mean, what, a, what a wonderful lesson it must have been for anybody who saw you right after that Kentucky game. Christian Leitner makes the, the last second. And the first thing you do is hug a Kentucky player. Right. Well, I went up to a kid named Richie Farmer because uh, in the joy of, uh, of winning a great game, there's always someone who loses that game. And I don't know, God sometimes works in mysterious ways, but uh, the person that I saw as soon as Leitner hit the shot to be to be Kentucky in the, in the overtime game for the regional championship was Farmer. He was right in front of my eyes, and you could just see the dejection. And I think as another human being, the first thing you have to do in that situation is, you know, are you okay? And, and, and the kid said, yes, I'm, I'm fine. And uh, we ended up spending a, a bunch of time making sure that uh, the Kentucky people felt good about being involved in a great game. I think having empathy for people is a is something that uh, is not really put out there that much anymore. It's all about me, and again, you get to those singular pronouns instead of it's about us. But that doesn't mean you'd go soft. I don't think that's soft. I think there's strength in uh, in showing that you care and showing that you can hug. And you know what? You can be, I think, harder on a player. If you show that you care about them, in other words, my my parents were tough with me, and when they yelled at me or you know whatever parents have to do to get you to do the right thing, I never questioned their love, and I, you know when I ended up listening to them, and that's the same response I want from my players. I re- Tracy Austin once told me she made Chris Everett cry during a match, and I said, well that that doesn't mean you would have let her win, does it? She said, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> no, we weren't. We're still going to try to win the ball game. That's right. After this short break, Coach K explains why he never even considered changing his name. Now back to my 2000 interview with Mike Krzyzewski. Speaking of making people cry, I I defy anybody to read the last chapter of your book Mm -hmm. without at least getting a little misty-eyed when you talk about the conversation you had with your mother a number of years back. And could you tell that story? Well, as soon as you say it, I got chills all over me because my mom gave me chills throughout her, the 50 years I was able to have her with me. And uh, basically, I didn't realize it growing up, but as I got to West Point, when I went to the United States Military Academy and then became an officer and a coach and... Uh, I realized that God gave me the best tr- the best gift he could ever give me, and that was uh, a mother who gave me uh, unfailing love, uh, you know, it, uh, support, unconditional support. Uh, she was there all the time. And uh, she also she did not have a edu- you know, high education. She never went to high school. And at one time when I was the Duke coach early on, uh, I had an opportunity to talk to her she was at my house staying, watching our kids and being, spending some time. And I said, Mom, I want to thank you for doing the best job possible. And she said, what do you mean? Yeah, I don't do my, you know, you, you know, you're doing all the big stuff. And I said, I just want you to know, if I can do my thing as well as you do yours, then I'll be a real, real success because you gave me everything you had. And if I can do that to my, with my family and with my team, then I'll be doing it as, as maybe as good as you, but I couldn't do it any better. And I'm glad I was able to tell her those things while she was still alive. 
Well, that, that speaks to the theme of the book, leading with the heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, this isn't a, this isn't a job for you. No, it isn't. It's uh, you know, in fact, a lot of my buddies, and my high high school buddies, are great school buddies, and my buddies out of West Point. They say, you know, you're lucky. And I said, what do you mean you're lucky? No, they said, you're doing what you love to do. You're following your heart. You're following your dreams. And and I, I do feel fortunate that I've been able to to do that. And I and I try to tell our players and my own children, you know, let's see what you really love to do. And let's see if that can't be your your profession. You know, let's see if that can't be your vocation. And because uh, don't let's not even talk about money. Like I didn't get into coaching for money. I make good money now. And no, nobody does, do they? No, or teaching, <laughs> uh, or radio. <laughs> but uh, uh, now I, I mean I, I I do make a a, a great living in that, but. Uh, but, but I, I've had I've had a great life because I've done what I've wanted to do, and I love doing it. And the more I, the longer I'm in it, the, the more I've loved it because uh, I've learned more about how to do my thing better. And that's that's the other thing I try to get in, along across in the book is, you know, you don't stop learning. You know, it's next play and what can you learn? And you know, your kids can teach you. You know, your assistants can teach you. Uh, again, make sure that that you always listen, like whose idea? It may not always be your idea, but if it's the team's idea, then that's, that's okay. Well, and just when you think you've got everything learned, uh, as Dean Smith told me, well, along comes a Michael Jordan and teaches you a few things you didn't know. You know what, and I'd welcome a Michael Jordan to come, <laughs> come by and, and teach me a few things. And I've had, you know, Grant Hill and those, mm-hmm. those kids. You Christian know slouches you've had. No, <laughs> no, we've had great players. But also you learn from, sometimes from a walk-on on your team from a manager, from an assistant coach. Like, ideas don't just go to someone who has extreme talent or physical talent. Everybody has an opportunity to have an idea. And if you give the people in your program or on your team or in your family an opportunity to, sh- to share their, uh, their dreams with you, share their ideas, again, they become, and you use it, it, it they, there's ownership there. They feel like it's their, their program now, their team. A lot of managers in business think they're the only ones who can come up with ideas. I think it's one of the biggest, one of the big problems. When I've had the opportunities to speak to businesses, where you're, I think you're absolutely right. They, 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 they don't feel secure enough to allow other people to uh, to make them better. And that's all we're talking about is, you know, you hope you can make them better by leading them. But sometimes with their enthusiasm, their ideas, and their commitment they end up making you a lot better also. Yeah, if you're just willing to listen to them. I mean, power is not a zero-sum game. If I give you a little bit of power, it doesn't mean I have less. Well, it takes time, though, Bill. It takes time to, uh, like, instead of just saying something to somebody, like, now, why don't you wait for their response to what you're, what you're saying? And a lot of leaders, a lot of parents don't do that. They impart knowledge, impart instruction, but then they don't want to hear anything back because they don't have the time to do it. And they may hear the words, but you were talking here about reading facial expressions and seeing what people are really thinking, not just what they're saying. Well, I think people tell you so much more uh, with their body actions and how. And, and eyes are a big thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, I, I, I love looking into the eyes of my players and, and seeing uh, hope, enthusiasm, fear sometimes. And that can be a good thing sometimes. Yeah, uncertain. Well, then, they, and you know, and they may be. 
if you know them well enough, they may be hesitant to tell you, like, I'm afraid. I mean, especially guys, they don't like to say, you know, I'm afraid because then they're, you know, less than a man. But if you can see it in their eyes and say, are you nervous? You know, are you a little bit afraid? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit afraid. Are you? Yeah, coach, I'm really afraid. I said, that's all right. You know, we're, let's both be afraid. You know, you, you should be a little bit nervous in that. But now let's discuss that. And so, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to talk about that if I wasn't able to see that in their eyes. I did want to ask you, I hope you won't think it's irreverent or or impolite. I'm just curious, what is, what's the worst mispronunciation of your name you've oh, ever heard? I, I hate the, the when people say Krasuski. Uh, <laughs> like it sounds like I'm a zookeeper uh, in some crazy, crazy island. Uh, but uh, I've heard them all, and that's why a lot of people say Coach K. But you know what? More people have said and pronounced Krzyzewski the right way than I ever imagined. And I thank my uncle, who was a cop in Chicago, when I was five, or five years old. I used to go to his house in the south side of Chicago. And before going in and during the holidays, I'd ask my mom, Mom, what's my name? Because I couldn't pronounce my name real well. And she said, Mike Krzyzewski. And my uncle, my uncle Joe, as soon as he opened up, what's your name? I said, Uncle Joe, it's Mike Krzyzewski. And he said, don't you ever forget it and don't you ever change it. And I'm glad he made that impression on me. Again, getting advice from somebody helped me uh, my, you know, make me better. And uh, instead of people have wanted me to change my name early on in my coaching career. And, if you'd been in radio, you would have had to. <laughs> right. And uh, I never did, and I'm, I'm proud of it. Mike Krzyzewski is 74 now and will leave the game next spring as one of the most successful college basketball coaches of all time. And you can find easy Amazon links to Mike Krzyzewski's book at our website, HeardEverything.com. Oh, and while you're at HeardEverything.com, be sure to listen to my interview with another college basketball coaching legend, Dean Smith. I was one of the lucky ones to be able to retire as a coach. Not many get that opportunity. And uh, now I, uh, being a fan is horrible. I now appreciate what fans were going through back when I was coaching. And my interview with a guy who knows a bit about college basketball from covering it for many years, Dick Vitale. You know, I've done fairly well in life, Bill. Think of her, a guy that has no talent, has no looks, has nothing going for him. Yet it shows in America. If a Dick Vitale can make it, anyone can. And of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find Now I've Heard Everything on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, to mark Veterans Day coming up this Thursday, we'll revisit my 1996 interview with one of the most revered veterans of modern times. My 1996 talk with General Colin Powell. The only thing I've ever wanted to do in my life uh, was to be a soldier. Nothing ever came along that really excited me or uh, pulled me away from my uh, devotion to soldiering. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. <laughs>